Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Football season is here, and it's time to dominate the competition with your fantasy picks. And R.J. Bell's dream preview on Podcast One Sportsnet is your secret weapon to victory. Eagles or Packers? Titans or Falcons? Pats or Bills? No matter the matchup, R.J.'s got you handled with top-notch analysis from the best and for the best NFL picks around. Download R.J. Bell's Dream Preview every week on Apple Podcasts and PodcastOne.com. Yahoo has officially released their daily fantasy football contest. They have $1 million in contest prizes with no management fee and $100,000 to first place, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. We are pro player and so is Yahoo. There is a 10 entry max, which means you're not going to be competing against people that are just sitting behind a computer spitting out thousands of lineups. That's not going to happen. Yahoo also has a $100,000 guaranteed contest, so there are lots of prizes out there. If you're just getting started with Daily Fantasy Football, join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long. It's free to enter, but there's $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes. And if you get the perfect lineup, $1 million for free. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. September 26th, we're about to start week four of the NFL season. We're going to hit some of the news. I really think there's just one news article and it's about running back. So we're pumped. Um, you've got some special prop bets for us. I do on I do. games that perhaps like tonight that you may not want to wager on explicitly. So you go with a little prop action and then we're going to pick our lock of the week, um, which will take up the majority of the podcast. <laughs> This was the alternate intro, by the way. The original intro had me cursing about the weather in in this podcast room, and we decided not to go with that. Um, you're bearing the lead, though. Our really fun backdrop here, uh, Tyler and company made for us. Uh, I think it looks good, guys. Anthony Trash, I was told. Oh, okay. Anthony Trash, then. So shout out. Thank you, sir. Uh, Melvin Gordon is returning. Now, the funniest thing about this story is that we're going to talk about the Dolphins Chargers game here in a second. So Melvin Gordon holds out and Ezekiel Elliott holds out. Melvin Gordon was a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott last year. Um, and just using PFF grade, using a lot of different objective measure, measures, EPA per touch, whatever you want to, whatever you want to use. Um, and I, I tweeted out, I was like, I was thinking about this. And I was like, no one makes that big of a deal about Melvin Gordon on the Chargers. Why? Well, because the Chargers have a good passing offense. Everyone is making this huge deal about how Zeke is like the engine. Absolutely no way that the Cowboys can succeed without him. They pay him $90 million. And then they're having all the success. And you know who we're not actually hearing about? Zeke. You hate, I mean, you hate to observe it. It's something that you don't like to view. And um, I, I feel kind of bad for Melvin Gordon because it doesn't seem like he lost pretty badly in this situation. Yeah, I think uh, as predictable as it was, like Austin Eckler's been terrific. I have to look at his actual statistics, but he's like the best. He's been, I don't know, Keenan Allen's the best player on that offense, but he's been very, very good. He's made big plays in the passing game and in the run game. I think that his only blemish this year is really fumbling at the goal line against Detroit, which really cost him that game. Um, But you wonder what's the split when Melvin Gordon comes back because it's actually pretty clear. Like if it's on merit, they they should at least be splitting touches, if not giving uh, Austin Eckler a, a decent amount uh, of the run there. Yeah, I mean, um, early down running, they're seventh in the league 
yards per play. So uh, it isn't having that huge of an effect. I, I, I do think it marginally helps their team, and I'll tell you why. They are super injured. <laughs> and I would assume that in the Chargerian yeah. way that we've observed, the injuries will continue to happen. And having another receiver can't hurt. Austin Eckler's a small guy. Like the more guys that you can throw out in the backfield, all of the Chiefs, and potentially split out wide and catch a pass, like that's great. Um, yeah, but do you think, but from the Chargers' perspective, like they get a player back, uh, the universe would tend to take away a player. Right. So are they risking Keenan Allen for Melvin Gordon here, you know, the way that God likes Man. to uh, sort of spit on the Chargers? You better hope not. All right. Any other Melvin Gordon talk? It's weird to me that he's not playing against the Dolphins. Because, uh, because yeah. I, so here's my question. What's better? Does he come back? Does he, did he pick this time and go, you know, I want to come back now. I know I won't play this week, but imagine if we lost the Dolphins and then I came back and we started winning. Yeah. Or was it, I'm going to come back now. I'm going to go nuts on the Dolphins and everyone's going to go, look what they've missed. They were one and two. And now the savior is returned. What do you think? Um, I, you know, I, I don't see them losing to the Dolphins, but I can see maybe them. (laughs) I can see it. (laughs) I I think maybe they struggle. Um, I I would hate to see it. Yeah. I I just think it's one of those things where I I have to look at their upcoming schedule, but it might be what, you know, where he practices this week, you know, they have they basically they have Broncos, Steelers, those are two winnable games at home. Then they go on the road, Titans, like they're sort of hit their stride there. Uh and this game is sort of viewed as like, well, I don't really need to play in this game, but maybe I need a couple weeks of preparation huh. for these this this stretch of games that they should win. Yeah, Frankly, it, it's I mean, weird to me. I, I just think it's weird that he would come back on a Thursday when Z come back on a Wednesday and play that week. So it, it is strange yeah. to me. It I, doesn't make a his holdout didn't make a lot of sense either though, no. because he seems like a sharp guy and, and you know Well, I blame his agent. In terms of like, I'm blaming. Okay, Eckler's actually pretty good, and you're a running back. So just take what you make the Texans sign you in the offseason. I'm not. I'm never going to blame the player in this case. Their job is to play the game of football. They have a lot of people they pay around them whose job it is to make sure they don't say and do dumb things. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. Thursday night football might be um, the best matchup aside from probably Sunday night football this mm-hmm. week. Um, but certainly the most compelling, I think, quarterback matchup. Obviously, you have Aaron Rodgers, who, I mean, has been as good as it gets, has been very unsightly just last season, hasn't been great so far this season. You have an Eagles team who, man, they, they were the front runner to win their division and now have taken a huge back seat to this Cowboys team that has gotten off to this hot start. You have Carson Wentz already kind of getting a little dinged up. They have all these injuries. You, it feels like it's getting away from them. This is a big game for them to win. Um, thoughts on Eagles at Packers. The, the current line is four. was four and a half, I believe. Yeah, it got all, out, all the way out to five early in the week, and then you saw some buyback here. Interestingly for Green Bay, um, have not been efficient offensively this season. You know, uh, we, when you look at EPA per run play, you're talking about a third of a, of a of an expected point dumped every time they run the football in the passing game, just a little bit above zero. But honestly, being above zero is like the bare minimum in passing in the NFL. Rodgers, unlike some seasons, his performance hasn't been good, and he hasn't had a great PFF grade, about 75 for him. Um, pretty decent from a clean pocket, but not a ton of big-time throws. Uh, and then, of course, he doesn't do a lot of turnover where he plays. So he hasn't been pretty particularly impressive. I think if you look at the Eagles side, Wentz is graded pretty well, much like he did last season. 
but we've seen a lot of drops. We've mm-hmm. seen uh, you know protections break down a little bit. We've seen injuries. We're still going to see some injuries tonight, although they get Jeffrey back. Uh, I think you know for we said this last you know on, on our last podcast. This is a classic example. You know I think the Eagles have the better quarterback, and they're getting points in this game uh, as much as it offends our sensibilities. This is what we were talking about on Monday morning, which is it's as it's crazy as it sounds. I'm fully on board with that. Carson Wentz is the better quarterback. What concerns me, obviously, is he can't be a better quarterback if he's got two broken ribs or whatever. Yeah. And he got banged up in that game, and it's a short turnaround, and it's in Green Bay, obviously, yeah. which is not super conducive. I do think four and a half, five, that's, when we talked about this on Monday morning, that seemed intriguing because you get the potential of having Jeffrey back, and the, the market is reacting to Green Bay being 3-0. and yeah. They're reacting to Aaron Rodgers, who has that highlight reel throw to Mark. Jeez, um, I can't remember his name. MBS. Mal, Mal, uh, Marquez Valdez. Marquez. Thank you. Val, Valdez Scantling. Valdez Scantling. Um, in, in that first half. And then they really sputter towards the end of the half. Um, and then obviously in the second half. But he has a 114 passer rating when kept clean. And that, I think, speaks to a lot of what probably the perception is of how that offense is doing, which is probably a little bit better than than how they're actually doing. The, the Eagles are doubling them up in terms of EPA per pass play, um, once with a higher big-time throw mm-hmm. uh, rate as well. And he's done that with a pretty depleted um, wide receiving court. Yeah, I, I sort of push back at this idea, that, especially if Jeffrey plays, I push back at the idea that Philly is depleted offensively um, just because you're talking about Ertz and Goddard are two tight ends that I think uh, you know are as good as any pair in the league. Jeffrey's good. Aguilar, if he's not asked to be the number one receiver, mm-hmm. is a guy that I think can make plays. You have Hollins, you have Arthega Whiteside. Nice. Um, and, and so I think yeah, Jackson being gone really does suck, but um, I, I'm fine with uh, you know their offense in this game. You look at uh, you look at the Packers wins this season. Denver, right? Denver was a team. You know they they basically had the same number of net yards as Green Bay, 310, 312 for Green Bay. Uh, both of the running backs for for Denver were over 60 yards rushing, four yards a carry ish for those guys. Flacco had some success, completed over two thirds of his passes. It was turnovers, right? And it was turnovers in week one as well. Uh, it was turnovers in week two with yeah, Green Bay, no, with, with Minnesota. Story. So I think Green Bay's defense is a lot better. They have some injuries going into the, tonight's game, but I'm not ready to make them into like the 85 Bears here. No. Uh, well, you, and, and over and and forgive Rodgers for his multitude of sins offensively. The um, well, the only person that can really do that is Gardner Minshew. Um, sure. The the quarterbacks they faced, Mitch Trubisky. Kirk yeah, Cousins, yeah. Joe Flacco. Yeah. Um, none of those guys are Carson Wentz. Joe Flacco didn't wasn't even looking ten plus yards downfield against the Packers. It was dink and dunk, and it's just that's just not the way to run an NFL offense. the The Eagles are the opposite. Carson Wentz has had the best pass rating on intermediate throws since uh, twenty seventeen. Guy's a monster. He's going to pick up chunk plays. This is going to be a true test for the Packers. So at four, you, you got to go one side or the other. I think Philly. I mean, I don't think Lambeau Field's that big of a deal anymore. I think better quarterbacking points. Um, I, I think that's a fairly uh, easy, uh, you know, e- that's the side to go on if you're in a pool or something like that. Here's a question. So we look into this game. We don't have a huge recommendation on it. Um, side total, 
anything. But there are some prop bets that I think <sighs> it was hot in here before. I know, I and know. now, but so the the it line is like eighty five degrees. The, the line for Rogers passing is two seventy five and a half passing yards, mm-hmm. and the and it's shaded over. If you want to bet the under here, you get even money, and. I know Philadelphia's defense not, it, not great. is not great. Our friend Josh would tell us defense doesn't matter that much. Um, the Our numbers for PFF Fantasy have this more like 240. This is a significant difference. And yep. so our numbers take into historical base rates, right? Matt LaFleur's propensity to want to run the football, all that kind of stuff. I, I like that as an under. Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers, um, it, he has not been prolific from a passing yard standpoint so far this season. Um, I, he and Marcus Mariota have essentially the same number of passing yards from a clean pocket, which it, it's not great. Um, I think you may have me with my first my first prop of your life of the uh, season. Okay, and then as a complimentary piece to this. Aaron Jones is now being wow. lined at 48.5 rushing yards. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that last week he had 19 on 10 mm. carries. That's not good, right? Our numbers are more like 60. And again, these two things are either probably going to lose together or win together because, right, we're, we're, we seem to think that the Packers are going to run the football tonight yes. and, and not throw as much. And they're going to have some success running and not as much success throwing, which, again, if you look at the defensive composition of Philly, that seems to go counterintuitive to what we think is true. Um, but I think we're I think when these I think we're overestimating the defense's impact on that yeah, and the base and we're ignoring base rates on the offensive side of the ball. Which you don't want to do which you don't want to do. That's so that's like another one. One that one's even money as well. So you're getting sort of no hold there. The two other ones I kind of like. And, and again, this has been. The Devontae Adams under receiving prop has hit two or three weeks so far. He and right now you're tantalized talk, and you're talking about 90 and a half, which is a humongous number. It's large. And you do have to lay a dollar twenty five to get a uh, hundred here. But I think that one's a decent one. And then lastly, I like Darren Sproles over 14 and a half receiving yards at minus 120. I think he was involved in the offense last week. Uh, they're going to have, you know, if. Since they're underdogs in this game, totals fairly high at 46 for an NFL game. Um, I think he's, I mean, this is two receptions, right? So, uh, two, one, Darren Sproles. Right. If he gets an error out over the middle of the field, you get this prop in one catch. It's a generational talent. I, I generally am not your, uh, number one companion on, on prop bets, but I'm intrigued. I think if I had, so if you had to pick one, which one would you take? And I, I'm I'm torn because the Sproles fourteen and a half is just easy peasy. Is feels like is really it almost feels too good to me. So um, I, I actually think I would go for one that has a little bit better uh, odds with either the Rodgers or the Aaron Jones at, at you know yeah. even money base. The one I like is Aaron Jones because again, for a starting running back in the NFL. The guy really just needs, I mean, if he pops a 25-yard run in this game, which is not all that unlikely, you know, he's halfway there and and they're going to give him, the, I mean, if he averages his career average, 
yards per carry on 10 carries, which he had last week. He's near this number already. Right. If they give him a little bit more on a Thursday night, right, uh, trying to, to ease some of the legs of the receivers and everything like that, uh, it's, not that it's not bad. So those are just some things to look at. Again, a game like tonight, we're not always going to have you know, we're not always going to have an opinion on the side in total. So this is a pretty good uh, way to sort of get involved if you want to. <clears throat> Ready to hit the Sunday slate? Let's go. All right. So um, before we get started, I want to remind you guys, we are going to debate. We're going to pick uh, the lock of the week. Um, and the reason we do this is because then we're going to go ahead and place a bet on that game. And if we aren't so dumb as to lose... Uh, we're going to donate the winnings uh, to charity. We both picked charities. I tweeted them out. Uh, you have done the International Justice Mission. And I found um, a, a charity that was particularly near and dear to my heart uh, about a specific type of bone cancer uh, research where they have not – they've been using the same treatment for 30 years. Um, it almost killed my sister. And so I'm hoping uh, you know, that a couple of drops in the bucket will help. Um, pick your own if you don't like either of those. Uh, but we'd love for you guys to join on. It doesn't have to be this bet. You pick anyone you want. Um, but try and do some good as you enjoy your Sunday as well. And if you want some help deciding where to go with it, you go to pff.com uh, slash greenline. Comes with an elite subscription, and basically what we're doing is we're wrapping up all of the PFF um, level data that is useful in you know deciding where to go on a game relative to the market, putting it in one place for you, and trying to give you as much uh, you know kind of ways to um, bet or wager on the game as you would like. Did I hit everything there? Yeah, I mean, it goes without saying. Research requires funding and inspiration, right? So. You know, let's get it. Hopefully, hopefully, let's get it. I was told I can't curse live, so I'm not going to okay. throw any f bombs out here. But you know how I feel. All right, uh, first game. Let's do it. Tennessee Titans travel to face the Falcons. Just stop. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Care. I could not be. There, there's literally nothing you could do that would be uh, that would make me want to put any sort of stake in either of these teams. Yeah, I like the over to a certain degree, but. Only because I think Matt Ryan and 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 Marcus Mariota will finally play well to the oh do you to the hatred of everybody who's wanted them to play well the first three weeks. But uh, yeah, let's these let's teams, ignore that game. These teams actually feel very similar to me, aside from the fact that the Falcons have a good quarterback and the Titans do Don't. not. Yeah. But the you know defensive minded coach comes in there. Defense hasn't been all that great. Um, they continually disappoint when you expect them to do well. They win games that you sort of like don't expect them to randomly and then fall. The Titans defense has been buoyed in the variable era by bad off playing bad offenses. Yes. And we got fooled into week one thinking that they didn't play a bad offense when they did. The uh, current market is four on this game. All right. On to, on to a game that we, I think will have um, some spirited debate and uh, on, and this is the Cleveland Browns and Freddie kitchens. Freddie Flintstone Kitchens going into Baltimore to face uh, the Wizard of the South, John Harbaugh. Okay. John Harbaugh, as everyone is is talking about. So I rewatched that game, the Baltimore KC game last night uh, while I was while I was doing some work. And uh, I caught, you know, as the two points, so he's going for two down 11. We wrote about this earlier this week. And Ian Eagle is very confused. Irate. He like can't believe that they're doing this. Now, I'm not blaming Ian Eagle. This is, in my opinion, the production fault. 
you know, like his job is to call the game. The fact that he doesn't know that this is a smart decision is solely on the person in his ear. And he is bemoaning how stupid this is. And what he says that caught my, my ear was, so if they go for two and they get it right they're they're down nine. And he goes down nine. That's three field goals. They're not even going to get the ball three more times in this game. And you just, you just showed me why I listen to these games. I don't listen to these games. I watch them on mute. I was absolutely Except for Chris. I was absolutely flabbergasted by that. Like, how can you not see that nine is advantageous? Because actually, what if you don't kick field goals and you score a touchdown and then kick a field goal? I, I don't know. It, I think to we me, should, it's, it yeah. spoke to like the way that I think most people react in life, which is I just need to make sure I don't lose by a ton. Yeah, yeah. If no. I can tie it, great. But that's my that's where my concern lies. Well, and I and I think that that's really. I mean, we've talked about Belichick in this situation, but Harbaugh's in a situation I think where he has some stability. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a good coach in the NFL. He's a great coach in the NFL. He won a Super Bowl. He's got pretty With decent Joe Flacco, pretty decent job security. And for them, there's less to lose, right? Mm-hmm. And for a guy like Kitchens or somebody like that, there's more to lose. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I think You're going to so. make weight jokes now? <laughs> the, we, we forewent weight jokes during the, 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 the uh, article. But so, so now let's talk about Kitchens then. Okay. So we talked about this, this handicap. It's, it's up on PFF.com, I believe, at this point. Um, the... The thing that the reason that I think the Browns are the right side in this game is that things don't change as much as we perceive them to change. Mm-hmm. The last season in week 17, this was a game we were on. The Ravens needed a win to secure an AFC North title. Mm-hmm. The Browns needed a win for nothing, right? They were just playing for pride. And this was a six point spread in Baltimore. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, right? The defense for the Ravens was better at the time. Jimmy Smith was playing. Mm-hmm. Marlon Humphrey wasn't questionable with an injury, which I believe he is right now. Um, you know, they had Suggs. They had Zadarius Smith. Uh, they had C.J. Mosley on their defense. Sure. All that stuff was true. And the Browns were six-point underdogs. They covered that spread. Probably should have won the game outright, frankly. Uh, and we were on the Browns in that game. And now we're talking about it being at seven. And to me, this is almost oh, almost all an overreaction to the fact that the Browns played poorly on a Sunday night game. And they did, no doubt. But they also played against a Rams team who I think is better than this Ravens team. Yes. And granted, they were at home, but they still only lost by a touchdown, which would push this spread. So for me, this is not about betting the teams. This is about betting this particular number. I couldn't agree more. And you look at the, the narrative around the Ravens is so positive. Yeah. They were getting crushed against the chiefs and blueprint really to to stop them if it weren't for lamar jackson's two prayers from the seventh level of hell being answered in the form of receptions for his team how many levels are there i have no idea um i'm bad doing this you know i gotta think my jokes out actually those are bad too um but he had basically two hail mary throws that ended up in receptions for his team that kept drives going um and if not you know this that game is a complete blowout also you know, John Harbaugh goes for those fourth downs. He goes for that two-point conversion. Now, I'm not saying he won't stick to his guns and do it here, but he was a big underdog there. He is the favorite here. Yes. I, I would anticipate that maybe he takes his foot off the gas a little bit if they are in the lead, and that gives the Browns a chance here. The Browns, pardon my pun, have to throw everything, including the kitchen sink. Yeah, this is a kitchen sink yes, game. Yes, it right? is. And 
Look, Freddie Kitchens, the fourth and nine draw was absolutely abysmal and terrible. That is not a reason, though, to all of a sudden dump the Cleveland Browns the next week. I think the market will overreact to the Ravens keeping it close to the Chiefs, which probably shouldn't have been. And the fact that the Browns seemingly fell apart at the seams, you know, with Kitchens running like four verts on third and ten backed up. And, um, you know, not emphasizing the quick passing game enough. And look, the Browns have a lot of injuries, but... You mentioned the Ravens had these injuries at the really key positions. Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, Mark Andrews. Those are three very important players to this team. Seven is just, it's a key number, and it is too high in this, in this situation. Well, and, the, and the Browns are getting the Browns are getting healthier, whereas I think the Ravens may be not necessarily on the, on the injury report getting worse, but like our perception of them is getting worse. They blew out Miami, but we found that that's a common occurrence. They honestly kept... They honestly, they wouldn't have even covered seven points against Arizona at home two weeks ago. And then, as you said, I think their game against Kansas City, it wasn't embarrassing, certainly, right. but it wasn't, it wasn't all that impressive, if, if all is told. Uh, and the other thing with the Browns, I'm going to do this calculation here, but Browns are one and two, Ravens two and one. Both the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers are buried. This, if the Browns win this game outright, I think that, the AFC North now is in their oh, favor, right? Absolutely. I mean, well, they've got a, a yeah. road win against the only other team that matters. I, I have two ways that I want to um, close this out. The first is we talk about the quarterbacks all the time. And I have been a huge, we've been huge Lamar Jackson proponents. Some people were coming at us, we were racist last week. Shut up. You're an idiot. I would have taken Lamar Jackson over half the quarterbacks yeah, in that we, draft. And he's proving it. Like the guy is good. I wouldn't have taken him over Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has been ridiculed ad nauseum by people left and right about how poorly he's playing. And he's not playing well. But he's the better quarterback. And he's getting seven points. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And here's the second thing. You talk about teams not changing that much. Where would you have put this line preseason? Well, even going into the week, it was three and a half, four and a half before the games were played. So, I mean, preseason, this is probably Baltimore minus two and a half. I agree. You're getting a lot of value here. here here's, the, here's the last part, and this is, this is cool. If the Cleveland Browns lose this game, their, their odds to win the division are 18%. If they were to win, it's 45%. So they are basically plural. And if they, if they win, the Ravens' chance to win the division is 36%. Yeah, so so the, Browns, the, the Browns take themselves into the favorite in the AFC North with a win here. Despite everything, right? Despite Freddie Kitchens, despite Sunday Night Football, despite being blown out at home by by the the Titans, if the Ravens win this game, their odds of winning the division are almost two and three. So this is a humongous game. I think, as you said, the Browns are going to throw everything here, and and I like this number at seven. If Odell Beckham doesn't get ten targets, I'm going to Cleveland, and right, storm. he and Jarvis should combine for twenty, especially if Ninjoku's injured. You know, you want to hear something crazy? I wouldn't have gone for that fourth and nine. Interesting. It well, a, if if you it were, was a toss up mathematically, yeah. and I would not have gone for it. Well, given how bad and how self destructive the Rams' offense was on Sunday night, you can make the point that that was a bad move. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So this is in the running. I think. I don't know if I'm ready to crown it immediately, but we've had the we've had a actually no. Last week it was our last game that ended up being the lock. Well, so. let me let me deliver to you another one. Uh, a tasty little one here. The Patriots, the best team in the NFL by leaps and bounds disagree but yes leaps and bounds they are traveling to buffalo 
uh, basically their like vacation home, which is not not the case. It basically their second home. Yep. The uh, the Buffalo Bills home stadium, and they are favored by seven points. And they're playing Josh Allen, who through two weeks or you know through through two weeks was looking very good, did not look so great. Against he also he, looked terrible in the first half against the Jets. Which sure. he, I mean, he's, yeah. But has basically settled back to where he is, which is twice as many turnover-worthy plays as big-time throws yes. and 86 pass rating from a clean pocket. Tom Brady, on the other hand, I don't know if you know this, best quarterback in the NFL still. 127 pass rating from a clean pocket, has yet to make a turnover-worthy play, yeah. 8% turno- big-time throw percent, uh, big-time throw rate. Now, here is the reason I absolutely love the Patriots. You know, you know how they feel about that game against the Jets? They're pissed. They are pissed. They didn't cover. Right. Now, we think of it from them, them from that standpoint, but Bill Belichick looks at it and goes, we gave up 16 points to the Jets? Yeah. You... 14, right? Are they won by four, 16. 14, sorry. Yeah. You losers better go stomp yeah, yeah. this Bills team. They, they are coming out with a vengeance. Seven, to me, I think is... Indicative of how people feel about Josh Allen in the in the market, but not how they should, and how good the Bills' defense is. I will remind you who the Bills have played thus far, and it includes the Jets and the Bengals. Well, and the Giants, like three terrible teams. Oh, yeah, that's right. And the Giants. Sorry, I forgot but about them. Here's a question that I have, because I was told on Twitter well, that, that New is England correct. is winning with the run game. Ah. But... If I look, if I'm looking correctly, they're averaging negative a quarter a point every time they run the football. Well, your spreadsheet can't account for the uh, the ultimate physical oh, toll okay. that it takes, um, and and obviously that's why the pass game is so successful. Okay, interesting. Okay, I, yeah. I I stand corrected. So what you've been told on Twitter is in fact true. Okay, the Patriots are just they're playing. They're just playing. Chassid people are. Yeah. So I. I I don't know. Our numbers are not quite. I mean, we're the, here's the tough thing. It's seven. Side of, yeah. It's if it's seven. six and a half, I think you bury this thing. Yes. I, I will be honest with you. I may or may not have wagered on it late, early Monday morning. As when I was it was trying to six fall asleep. and a half or I think it was seven. OK, well, I mean, I am not worried about it. Yeah, you're, I want to yeah. keep this one in the running because the Patriots are that good and the Bills suck. OK, let's move on to my Kansas City Chiefs going to Detroit on purpose to face the Detroit Lions. Detroit Airport's nice, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, the the spread on this game is Chiefs minus six and a half, and the total is fifty five. Up from I believe fifty three. It was fifty four when we decided to print this pick. It was, and then it moved up. But I think early in the week we're all the way even down to fifty three, fifty two. Yes. So this is moved up. You're you're catching some steam betting the over here. Yes. The question is, is does it matter? Well. So at first glance, there are a couple things that I think six and a half seems steep, just a little. Um, And that should be scary, right? Because the Chiefs are a team much like the Patriots where they just they just keep scoring. So covering these larger lines, you know, it's hard to, to be on the other side. It's hard to take the underdog in these situations. But what I would glean from that is not that the Lions, you know, Getting six and a half is a great move, but rather that this game could be closer throughout the game, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's really what this says. Yep. And when games are closer, 
you have to continue scoring. And that's what we've seen with the Chiefs so far is they have just scored so much in the first half that it doesn't matter. They have the highest pass rate in the first half of games, over 70% on early downs. Only team over 70%. They're averaging over a yard more on early down passes than any other team. They have seven touchdowns from outside of the red zone. What I'm getting at here is that the great thing about the Chiefs they score. They score. They you know when so, they score? They, they all sco- the time. They score on these like non-situational. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't. Field position does not matter with the Chiefs. That is the, like the well, coolest thing about their offense. Only matters how you do in the red zone and on third down. I, the the yeah, I, and what's even more impressive, and what I've been saying, I've been like irritating everybody in the office by saying this so much. But like you look at Jacksonville Week One in Jacksonville, everybody and their grandmother betting the Jags. They've put 40 points up, right? Gardner Minshew puts up 26 on them. Game sales, right? My king. And everybody's like, oh, is this Jacksonville defense bad? Mm-hmm. Next week, we talk about betting you know, Gardner Minshew. But we, what we really did is one because the Jaguars played terrific defense. They gave yes. up 13 points. Jaguars gave up seven points to the Titans on Thursday Night Football. So the Jaguars have give, gave up basically twice as many points to the Chiefs as they did in the other two games combined, Right. They go to Oakland and like the Oakland thing is really what worries me is that they bury a team so and and the and the Raiders just simply have no fight in them. Last week they they scored thirty three points in a, on a rainy field with no left tackle, no Tyree kill against a Ravens defense that many people think is really good. The only worry here we write about this in the article is that the Lions, you know, will give up when they're down, and we have not seen any evidence of that this year. They they were you know. Basically, against against the Chargers, they were beaten up that entire game, came back and won. Last week against Philly, they got out ahead of Philly. Philly kept punching back, and the and Detroit, to their credit, continued to uh, you know play hard. I think that's that's the best case for the over here is that the Lions are actually a fairly good team, and the Chiefs uh, will score. I mean, the 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 story of Matt uh, Stafford's career is that. I keep, I keep yeah, fighting yeah, yeah, all the yeah. way through. I still so, can't forget that one game where he, where Calvin Johnson had 300 yards against Dallas. I mean, like, and that's Stafford. And, and he's kind of been buttoned up because he's got a defensive coach and everything. But, I mean, you look at Detroit. He's been good. Uh, he has a 120 pass rating, one clean. And they are averaging the seventh highest expected points yeah. added per pass play uh, so far this season. So I, I am not worried. I am not worried about the Chiefs, A, getting out to a big lead, but yeah. the Lions forcing them to be less conservative yeah. and actually have to keep trying to score um, as the game goes on. And that's why 55, it doesn't worry me a lot. I think 56 is the key number you don't want to bet over because 20, you know, two touchdowns a quarter type of thing. Yeah. But um, another another thing and sort of Rashad Melvin's had a good start to his career as a Lion. Darius Slay has had a good career as a Lion. Both of them are questionable with leg injuries, knee injuries type of thing. That That's encouraging for the um, for the total. As far as the Detroit side, we do lean a little bit towards Detroit against the spread. And I think we talked about sort of Detroit as a team. I, I brought up my opinion that I think Detroit in that NFC North might be might have a case to make that they're the best team. Like I think, I think they're what the Vikings want to be. I'm sorry. He... Well, I, okay. I need you to say that again. I think, I think the, I think the Lions are a better version of the Vikings. Wow. Let's right. let's un- break it let's, down. I want to unpeel this a little so bit. So I think Slay is a better corner than Rhodes. Okay. I think Rashawn Melvin's a better corner than than uh, 
uh, than uh, Trey Waynes. Tra. Tra Waynes. Um, defensively up front, I think you can make the case that Detroit player for player has more talent on the defensive front. Okay. Linebackers don't matter. The nickel corner for Detroit wow. is Justin Coleman, who's a lot better than Mackenzie Alexander, who's currently hurt. And then on offense, Stafford is better than Cousins. The offensive line for the Lions is far better than that of the Vikings. Yeah. The receivers, now granted, the Vikings probably have better receivers, but Marvin Jones is a pretty good player. Kenny Galladay is an upcoming star in this league, and their tight end can actually run. And you know who else they have? A man who has fallen fallen from grace, in my mind, Danny Amendola. Yeah. But can still but they actually have a third receiver who exists. So and 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 I think and I think you can make a, on the you can well. make a good argument that the Vikings are the best team in the NFC North, but that's like the corollary of that is that if Detroit's better, then they could be, have a case. They can make a case. I when you told me this yesterday, I thought you were out of your mind, and then I thought about it, and I thought about it. And they're currently plus 900 in some places if you want to bet them to win the NFC North. And I agree with undefeated. you. And I agree with you. I think this is perhaps your your best take uh, of the season. Okay. I, I'm, I, I'm on board. I, this is the most counterintuitive thing I think I could imagine hearing three weeks into the season. And I 100% agree with you. Um, now, after they get steam steamrolled by KC, those, those odds will probably only... Only go more in your favor if you agree with that. Uh, but the over, I think we keep that in consideration. The the Lions plus six and a half. It's just tough to bet against the Chiefs, I, honestly. I, I think the way that I have to view it is it's indicative of the way the game is going, not necessarily of the final score yeah. with the Chiefs. Yeah. Panthers-Texans. Texans are minus four against the great Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen came in... Uh, not Brandon Allen, should be noted. Yep. Kyle Allen, not Woody Allen. I'm a, I'm a uh, right now. He, he came in and was awesome. Really good. 158 uh, pass rating from a clean pocket. Nine, he was everything over nine that, average depth of target. He was everything you were hoping Cam Newton would be. And and to Cam's, like, the thing with Cam Newton is he has to run the ball to be good. He is not a drop back passer. That's what he was doing. So Kyle Allen was a huge upgrade for them. Is that is that a mirage or is... You know, should this be a three-point game against the Texans instead of four? Well, here's the thing. I think Houston is Houston's got a lot of ingredients to be a good team, um, but defensively they are not very good. Nope. Offensively, they they are probably going to have some success against the Panthers team that can't cover. But the Panthers have some pretty good players up front, starting with decently well so with far. Brian, this season. Brian Burns, yeah. right? They have uh, uh, Gerald McCoy. Um, you know, up front, I think that they're going to make that Houston offensive line and Deshaun Watson by extension really work for some of these. Um, I think the line at four is probably perfect. Uh, if I had to, if I had to pick a side for like a pick them, you know, pool or something like that, I'd probably pick Houston just because Kyle Allen's got to regress. I'm going to fade that noise. Yep. And Deshaun Watson, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, not the best player, not the best players in the league, but the guys that you just root for. Mm-hmm. Very much. And I've included coaches here. And I think my list is Frank Reich, Deshaun Watson, and Alvin Kamara. Yeah. I, I throw Brissett into that conversation. He's not good enough, though. Yeah. <laughs> like okay. pl- Players that are like on the verge, oh, sure. you know, that are really good. They're not the best, but they might be your favorite player yeah, at that yeah. position. Um, I also, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I also, I'm, I'm... Who's your favorite player in the NFL? Wow, that's a... 
That's a great question. I would say Mahomes. I mean, I, he just changed. He's just changed the way the football's who, played. Okay, who's your favorite player that isn't the best player at his position? Because um, Mahomes is, I think, he right for now. sure is. Yeah. Uh, I I have a, a affinity for Casey Hayward. Oh, he's good. Um, I like that one. Okay. Speaking of Brissett, let's move on to this game. The Oakland Faders, my plus seven in Indianapolis to face the two and one, and Jacoby Brissett led Indianapolis Colts. Who would have Who would have thunk that the uh, the Indianapolis Colts would be a seven point favorite at home with Jacoby Brissett at any point this season? I think this speaks to how bad the Raiders have been so far this year. Yeah, it's not sure. it's not great, right? Derek Carr started off nicely and now has a pass rating of. Sub 100, in fact, sub 95 when clean. That is garbage. Jacoby Brissett has a pass rating of 120 when clean. The the Colts are by far the better team. They have the better coach. They have the better quarterback. Um, I, I really, you know, the only thing that would give me pause here is that they do have some injuries. T.Y. Hilton is questionable. Um, and he is obviously an important part of this. To seven is just, is just too much. I think this is probably right where I put it, and I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, if you had to lean one way, I think Oakland's probably the the way to go just because the Colts don't even play games that are conducive to these big spreads, yes. right? They Against the Chargers, that game went into overtime. Uh, against the um, uh, against the Titans, that game was a one-score game. Uh, against Atlanta, Atlanta tried to give them a multiple-score win, and they still couldn't, <laughs> couldn't take it. So as, as much as I, I think Oakland's not very good, uh, I don't think the Colts stress the things that Oakland's bad at either. Like in the secondary, yeah. like the Colts are not like going to go down the field against them. Uh, their defense is also not this swarming unit. They're more like solid, keep things in front of you type. And so I think Carr can have some success there. Uh, if you want to, the the one place that maybe there's a lean is the over. Uh, mm-hmm. And and it was the same thing last week where it's kind of counterintuitive. Um, but that you know the Colts have been basically an over team for two of the three games they played. So. Uh, that's really the only way to look here. Not a whole lot to see here, uh, two hours west of us. Okay. The Los Angeles Chargers go west coast to east coast to play a 10 o'clock game against your Miami Dolphins. Plus six. No, it's now 15 and a half. Yeah, when we when we uh, wrote this up for the column, it was 16. So a little bit of I've got, line I've value here. Got a little math little math for you. The Dolphins went into Dallas and had it not been for Devontae Parker forgetting the stickiness of South Beach in South Beach and catching a pass that was likely a touchdown. Um, the Dolphins might actually be competitive in that game for a decent amount of time. I thought that they were, honestly. And they on, I mean, they sh- certainly should have covered that spread. Now, being a two-touchdown underdog at home, in my mind, is reserved for teams that are truly dominant the patriots are truly dominant and they Mm -hmm. covered that's you know that 20 point whatever it was um line with ease and the ravens obviously smashed them week one but this is ridiculous well and the chargers are not that good of a team and they are traveling all the way to the east to play an early game with half a team um uh, and a coach who's like not that good. Like are they we, are we sure that, out? That's what they do. Well, and the only thing that the, 
I mean, they, the they're only... the 10th best team in our ELO rating, and you were going to make them 16 point, 15 point favorites. favorites. No, and and so here's a couple things that I here's here's a couple things that I want to fade this idea here. I think one idea is that okay, the Chargers were eight and two on the road last year, mm-hmm. right? And and I think only one loss outside of California. They they were very resilient in terms of traveling last season. Although right. both West Coast divisions played the other conferences West Coast, so traveling wasn't exactly a big deal here. Correct. This is going from the great sunny warm L.A. to the hot humid like it's a different it's a different warm here right um, here we're, we're equating yeah, cincinnati yeah, yeah. and no, miami no, miami but i checked the weather there's going to be a good chance of precipitation a lot of humidity yeah. so and the other thing was we talked about this on our we talked about this on our podcast on monday morning it has moved down a little bit but the under here is also mm-hmm. a, a place to look and the, the size of the total is something to admire here 44 and a half it was now 44 it's difficult to cover a spread w- that big with a with a total that small and the last thing that i think is is what people if you're going to bet the chargers this is what you think okay the chargers they had a lead against the indianapolis colts they gave it up late they had to win in overtime mm-hmm. to win the game mm-hmm. they had a lead late against the lions they gave it up late they lost the game. They had a, a halftime lead against Houston. They gave it up late. They lost the game. They're, the the backdoor might not be open for the for the Dolphins in this game. However, I don't even think there's a situation. But if you're betting them here, you're not thinking they even get to that point, right. right? You're thinking they're competitive the whole game, which they really were against Dallas, and they just simply don't make the mistakes they made against Dallas. Uh, and I think that's a fairly decent uh, a hypothesis. And Dallas is a better team than the Chargers, and they were playing at home. I think so, yeah. In a kind of a statement game. Casey Hayward, questionable. Mike Williams, questionable. Hunter Henry, may he rest out. in peace. Yeah. Out. Um, Mike Dave, uh, Davis, who's one of their starting corners as well. Like They're just banged up. I think they, I think they try to win this game by yes. 13, 14 points. Well, I, here's the thing that I think is important. I really do think the Dolphins try to win this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, that, that's that's playing a huge role in this, right? People are just the market thinks that the Dolphins are just laying down at all times. Now, maybe that's why Devontae Parker let the ball slip through his hands. I'm not sure, but it doesn't seem to be the case based on what we saw. Josh Rosen a seven point eight passer rating when pressured. That should. You know, multiply is, by a factor of ten. That ain't and he, great, and 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 regress to the mean. All right, let's keep that on the table. I like that one, just because the it's the stinky is it's very stinky, but we'll go with it. All right, the Spreadskins against Daniel, the Second Coming Jones. Um, I, I I love a lot of this game, honestly. Uh, well, tell me about it. It's currently, the Giants, as crazy as it sounds, are favored by three against the Redskins who looked really bad and then also like kind of plucky in that in that Monday night game right like the turnovers were abysmal yeah and then they they actually did have some efficiency later on in the game um but they're bad you know as well two really terrible teams there's an so the interesting thing I I saw tweeted out earlier is that on DraftKings or I think it was FanDuel maybe like 85% of the of the bets are on or the bets or the money are on the Giants at minus three. Wow. But the number has actually moved to plus, you know, minus two and a half or minus three juiced uh, minus 120. So the the people who know something are betting Washington, which we sort of talked about right. on Sunday when we said, I want to fade this Daniel Jones nonsense right away. People, I think, are, are, are moving in that direction. There's also this idea of turnover luck, like Case Keenum. Like he's not going to throw 
multiple interceptions and lose multiple fumbles. How bad it, how bad he is, that's just not something that's repeatable, especially against a Giants defense that, that is, is bad. bad. <laughs> but but to sort of counter to that point, the total in this game is far too high. 49 and a half that be for the exact same reason I think the Washingtons they they keep this game buttoned up. Mm-hmm. Case they exposed Case Keenum too much on on Monday Night Football. They didn't give the ball to Adrian Peterson enough, and it's ridiculous. And I think that they try to they try to contain uh, the game, slow it down a little bit. And and these two teams with these two quarterbacks should never have a ga- game lined uh, with a total near fifty. I think Jones regresses a little bit. So there's a couple different ways that you can go here, either the Washington side or the under, in my opinion. Yes, I want. I do not want to be rooting for one of these teams to win a game. Um, Daniel Jones, obviously, his stats were fantastic. He had a 126 pass rating under pressure. We know that isn't stable. 89-8 uh, when clean. Obviously, it was one start. Made some, you know, questionable decisions there. Uh, turnover worthy throw. Um, uh, and has had a couple so far this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think it's important not to get too caught up in the hype. Clearly. The market is getting caught up uh, in the hype a little bit, and I'm with you. I'm, I'm all on um, the under there. That's what what Greenline would recommend as well. Um, I don't know. Let's keep in the conversation. Okay, let's keep in the conversation. Let's let's keep it rolling here. Another under game. Seahawks. Seahawks on Favorite the road against the Cardinals. Five. Favored by five. We talked about this, I think, on the last podcast. If I if I knew who the Seahawks were. I could bet the Seahawks here mm-hmm. minus five because I don't think Arizona is very good, uh, especially defensively. I think You're Russell Wilson, one. Russell Wilson's in the middle of a Hall of Fame career. Blah blah blah. But like the Seahawks just have two di- like they have multiple different faces here, and if one of, if certain faces come out here, they're going to be in a slugfest in this game where they're going to be happy to win by three. They like the last time they played in Arizona last year. So I don't know. I don't feel I don't feel comfortable recommending this game, for example. Yes. What is interesting to me about this game is when I saw the line immediately, you know, right when it was released, I thought, wow, the Cardinals getting five points like the Seahawks aren't that good. Um, And now I'm coming to the other side of things, uh, which means just throw this game away. Mm -hmm. I think this could be a really fun game, though, because neither defense is particularly good. And um, Russell Wilson just needs to to do more things. Yeah, I think that this is another game where Seattle lost last week because of fluky plays, and they try to keep the game buttoned up, run the football first down, run the football second down, throw the football on third down, and and they have a you know field position. What a recipe! They do they do a great job of field position. So I do like the under just because of the way the game's going to be played. My Rams, our Rams, Uh, yeah, we like at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are. Despite all of your bandwagon beating, they ain't great. Um, now, the spread here is nine and a half. I, I think we're both on the board that if you have to choose this game, the right pick is to fade Jameis Winston against a much better team on the road. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about this game in a little bit of a different way in that the Rams seem like a better team overall. In my opinion. Oh, good point. Yeah. In my opinion, Sean McVay won I didn't think he won games in game last year. He won that Browns game in game at halftime by making adjustments. Freddie Kitchens made yeah. no adjustments or none that worked. But he had the 
the gumption, the intestinal fortitude to say, look, they are trying to stop my outside zone. I'm going to run the ball up the middle, take those chunk plays when they give them to me, and I'm going to will will us to victory by calling better plays, mm-hmm. right? And, and that was successful, and they ended up winning that game. The defense is better. Coverage yeah, has, I been, think so. has I think. been really solid. And yet, there's one thing that isn't quite working. And for that reason, I feel worse about the Rams than I did last year. And that's Jared Goff. 1.6 big-time throw uh, rate, which is really low. He, he led the NFL in perfect throws. Those are throws that hit the guy right in stride last year. Nearly 5% of his throws have been turnover-worthy. And he that Browns game, they should have had in hand. And he just floats Dude, the ball up un- unbelievable. to Browns players. Um, what we know about you know, pass rating from a clean pocket, how good he's been from a clean pocket, you know, how stable that is. Is this a blip on the radar or are you concerned? I'm very concerned. I think, you know, and, and people wrote today that he has a play action problem and, and we, we both know, well, let's set the record straight. He's thrown three interceptions from play action so far two last season. That's not what's, that's not what to look at. Right. Um, Also play action. Just yeah. Variance between quarterbacks and play action is not, it's noise, right? Every team does better on average over the course of a season when running play action. It's about how often you run it uh, and, and the situations you run it in. Um, the issue with golf is that as we talked about on Sunday night or Monday morning, it's that, you know, he's just simply not making good throws from a clean pocket. He's also taking on more pressure. Um, he's just not as good of a quarterback as he was last season. Uh, and, and that's going to make its way to certain parts, to certain noisier parts of the game. That's going to, uh, it's going to, well, it's going to quite frankly, make it harder to cover these big numbers. Exactly. And, and that's, and that's where really I'm looking here because, you know, for all of, for all of Jameis Winston's faults, right. And he has plenty, um, he, he's not going to be a guy who's going to lay down at a nine and a half point spread. I mean, their, their defense their defense hemorrhaged an 18 point lead yeah. in that in that game against the Giants, and he comes out on the next drive, smash you know smashes a, a, a post to uh, Godwin yep. and throws one over the top to Mike Evans, and their kicker comes out there wearing a leotard and misses a field goal. So like, it's always smashing on a large spread. Yeah, the so, Rams, so it's hard because I you could see this game where they're down by 14 with like two minutes left, and he just drives the team down the field and backdoors this. So it's hard to back the the Rams. Well, here's the other. So I. I have one of the, I really like Sean McVay. I think he does a fantastic job. I have talked a lot about how his fourth down decisions are very suboptimal and that gives mm-hmm. me cut. But one of the things that Sean McVay does better than I think anyone else out there is he gets his players and he instills confidence in them yeah. in a way that I just don't think anyone else does. Mm-hmm. And you know that he is going to work as much of his magic as he can with Jared Goff. And I believe that means he is going to let him work his way out of it. He's going to let him shoot his way through this one. He is not going to clam up and run the ball at, you know, yeah. and say, hey, Jared, James we don't trust you. James Harden it. And say, we don't trust you because he knows that would kill Jared Goff's confidence. The, the Rams are averaging more expected points added per run than per pass, which is absolutely nuts. I mean, it's crazy. Um, both these teams actually are in that uh, same boat here, which is funny. Yeah. Uh, I would expect that to change by the end of the season. But the Rams are extremely interesting, and I'm very, I'm very curious to watch this game. This is one of the games that I will probably not wager on, but will be excited to watch. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same here. Um, okay, coming down the hatch, I, uh, your 
a game that I really want to watch is the Minnesota the Minnesota <laughs> really? Fighting Vikings. You want to watch this? My plus two on the road face the Chicago Bears team that is fresh off of two consecutive convincing victories. George, are these the third and fourth best teams in uh, the NFC North? No, I, I honestly think Green Bay is is lower than. Than both, well, but, maybe not both, but well, at least Minnesota. Mitch Trubisky finally figured it out. He realized that you know, as long as he pumps up the defense, gets them to turn the ball over, and he can just throw to wide open guys two yards downfield. He was in 2018 form at the Ha Ha Clinton. It was it was touchdown. really superb. He was not great in that game. And Did you see the the the, the video of Nagy telling him to STFU? Yeah, yes. Great. What I wanted to do, and I don't do this because I I quite honestly just don't have time to like clip videos and like or take screenshots and like splice them together not that person um but i really wanted i remember this tweet from earlier in the off season that was mitch someone at training camp was like mitch trubisky has command of this offense <laughs> and i really wanted to show that on one side and then yeah, yeah. uh shut shut the you know what up from Nagy yeah. because that was a perfect culmination but let me ask you this is this the one time that you are going to say hey mitch trubisky he ain't good, but he's playing Kirk Cousins. He ain't good either. Yeah. And the, the deciding factor here is if you have two really bad quarterbacks and one of them is in a hostile environment, you want to really fade that one. Whereas the really bad quarterback in a better environment, you know, that that is the one time to actually take him in a short game like this. Right. So the Bears are just two point favorites here because I, I personally have a real hard time. Yeah, I with I, it, but I really like the Bears side. In a lot of ways, um, the the first way that I like it is is simply that they just are a better run team offensively. I mean, if you can ignore the fact that the quarterback back is extremely inaccurate, uh, Matt Nagy's you know they their run pass ratio is pretty solid. They scheme open throws more than most teams. Mm-hmm. Um, their receivers, tight ends, and backs are extremely uh, you know talented. Right, and and the Vikings defense. You know, Anthony Barr's questionable. He didn't play last week. Mackenzie Alexander's questionable. He hasn't played the last two weeks. Um, they're not as strong as they once were. Uh, and for me, it's it's like the Vikings play such – they try to thread the needle so tightly with running the football and playing defense that if there's a perturbation to that system at all, mm-hmm. we see what we saw against Green Bay, and that exposes Cousins, which is literally the last thing they want to do. Yes. Whereas the Bears – they expose Trubisky and they deal with the ups and downs. They take the good with the bad. And, and oftentimes their defense is so good, right, that they can still overcome. Minnesota puts Cousins in bubble wrap and just prays that the game is, is a blowout. And, and that's not I, – I would rather take Chicago's aggressive approach to that situation than Minnesota's sort of timid run-the-football approach. Dalvin Cook's the best back in the league right now, but it's not going to matter on Sunday, on, you know, Sunday afternoon. Uh, the – the Bears have some injuries too. Uh, Eddie Jackson and Keem Hicks, both questionable, and that gives me a little bit of pause. But here's how I would sum up the game. If you are sitting there in the fourth quarter and one quarterback makes a throw so ungodly awful that you stand up and you go, wow, that's the worst throw I've ever seen. It's Cousins. And the other team is running it back for a pick six. I, I'm with you. It's Kirk Cousins. It's the first three quarters. Turnover really play rate is three times that of. And they all came Trubisky's. in one game. They all all of Cousins' turnover worthy plays came in the game where they were behind. In the other two games, they got ahead twenty one nothing. In every game in the Vikings season, one team has been up twenty one nothing. Now I will counter by saying I, there are games here that I am more willing 
to wager money that yeah, I would yeah. like to donate to charity for, for, than for sure. this game. Um, though I do like the Bears as perhaps a contest pick if you were in a contest. All right. Jags, Broncos, Minshew yeah, in Denver. Uh, there is no way in any universe on any anywhere in any state of anything time continuum out there i'm losing my words because that's just what happens when i picture gardner Minshew rolling in full jorts i i I could not be more excited to get more than three points with gardner Minshew against joe flacco joe flacco is running an offense that is absolutely disgusting with two good receivers i don't know what is going on there they're running play action at one of the lowest rates in the nfl the 49ers, who had the same offensive coordinator as the Broncos do last year, turned Nick Mullins into a top 10, uh, a leader of a top 10 offense. And Joe Flacco's over here dinking and dunking it down the field. I believe he completed one pass more than 10 yards down the field against uh, the Packers. They are terrible. Gardner Minshew is the better quarterback. He's getting points. The Jaguars are the better team. They're getting points. Do you have um, any appetite for the over in this game? <sighs> 39 i mean this is i don't have an appetite for the younger under i'll tell you that yeah, yeah. okay i do i do like that because um it i do think it is getting to the point for the broncos i would hope where they're sitting there and they're watching this film and they're like hey we were in this game against the packers the whole game but we end up cannibalizing ourselves because in order for us to score we had to put 13 straight plays together yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's go down the field we have some talent hey have yard. you seen emmanuel sanders run a route recently Portland. yeah, yeah he's good yeah <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm with you. I I well, I think Minshew will Minshew will you know do his part. DJ Shark has played what really well. I think that there's the, it's starting to the the Fournette thing is starting to wear thin on them. A little no, bit. he had a great game. Yeah, he did. If you <laughs> add it all, he up, won the game for him with that. One run. of my feet is on coals. One of my feet is on ice. On average, I'm good. Yeah, uh, I think actually perhaps my tweet of the year so far was comparing Leonard Fournette to Darren Rovell. They they have similar running style. I absolutely hate to see it. Okay, this is the I think the game, game of the week. Game of the week in term maybe not betting, but for for football's sake, the Dallas Cowboys go on the road. They were three point favorites. They're now two and a half point favorites uh, at the New Orleans Saints and Teddy Bridgewater. Total on this game forty seven. Uh, there are there are a couple things that are very interesting to me. The Cowboys have have really. They have incubated Dak Prescott in a way that is it's honestly hard to watch if you have rooted for another team that has pass protection that's just getting run over. Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins are just locking up the outside. Mm -hmm. Dak Prescott is sitting back there with just oodles and oodles of time. Now, the Cowboys offense has been successful because Kellen Moore is scheming quick throws and Dak Prescott is hitting them and they are running play action 39% of the time. Kellen Moore second in our coaching metric so far. I mean, they are skewering teams over the middle of the field that he's throwing pass over the middle of the field 15% more than he was last season, averaging three more yards per attempt on those throws than he was last season. I mean, Kellen Moore has changed this offense, but they've done so because in my humble opinion, Dak Prescott can do that from a in a perfect situation, mm-hmm. and they are finally going to play in a hostile environment against a team that is generating pressure at the second highest rate. And I am really interested to see how this offense looks if that situation isn't as perfect. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the other thing that's important to know is that they've played three teams who aren't very good offensively. Gar- Bosh. Right. And so you're you're far more likely to be running these things when you're ahead in the game or tied than you are when you're behind. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Bridgewater is not somebody who I'm going to ever compare to Drew Brees. He's his no. average depth of targets five yards. He hasn't thrown a big time throw yet. But Dallas's defense, I tweeted this out, like they have not been mm-hmm. that efficient this year, especially on early downs. And, you know, one thing Bridgewater can do is he can convert short third downs, especially with the players that they have there. So if Dallas's defense continues to struggle, that might put it, the, the Saints in a position to have some success. And that success will make things harder on Dak. And to your point again, the, the Saints have a pretty solid defense in terms of they the do. players. Eli Apple's given up four catches all, all season. They've all been big. They've all been big, but whatever. And I was, I was mentioning to you, well, like Patrick <laughs> Robinson is a guy who was an instrumental piece of the Philadelphia Super Bowl run two years ago. He's a backup nickel for them mm-hmm. now. They have depth. They're very good up front. Their linebackers are athletic. Their their defensive backfield, as I said, has depth. I think the Saints, like, I don't mind this idea that the Saints could win this game 45% of the time. I am very, yes, I don't mind that. I'm very concerned if I am trying to back the Saints about Teddy Bridgewater. And if I'm backing the Saints, I am hoping that what happened in Seattle was they got on the better side of variance with turnovers. And so Sean Payton said, I'm not using any of the game plan. You're going to go out here and just just dunk it up. Yeah. Just try not to die. Because what he is doing is taking longer in the pocket. He's running Drew Brees' offense, you would assume. Now, not as well, obviously. But what he's doing in it is concerning. He's taking way longer and then throwing the ball way shorter. Mm-hmm. And that is not great. So Drew Brees gets the ball out as quick as anyone, about 2.4 seconds on average. And yet, when he throws it 10-plus yards downfield, he's getting 13, almost a half yards per pass. So when he takes those shots, he's hitting them because they're there. Teddy's spending 0.4 seconds longer, which is really a lot in terms of time in the pocket, about the 12th longest so far this season. And he's averaging 5.2 yards per pass when yep. throwing 10 plus yards downfield. If you are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys, who are they're an offense that, you know, that is going to put up points, I think, one way or another, because Kellen Moore is that good, you got to score. And I wouldn't be counting on the turnover luck this time around. So for me, this is definitely a game that I want to lay off. I want to watch. I'm yeah. curious about. Yeah, what, what I, is it? Go ahead. I, I mean, the only the only place I would lean here I, at three, I would have taken the Saints. And I think we talked about that yep. on, on, on Monday morning. Two and a half. You're just you're just giving up too much value. I do like the over in this game. I think this game, for the reasons I talk about in terms Teddy of Dallas, Dallas's defense, I, I, I agree with your points on Bridgewater as much as I as much as I've liked him. I will say that the, my only relent is that we've we've seen him for a game and a half sure and and those situations were were you know not not the same as what we're going to see here which is playing at home you know play you know time to time to prepare that type of thing uh i i think we might see a better performance out of him than we see the first two well weeks. you would sure hope so this game is a big game we humongous ta- we talked about the saints losing chance of winning the Super Bowl by about 10% when Breeze went out. And the reason for that was that the bye was such yes. a huge thing. Now, check this out. This game, obviously, between two of the better teams in the NFC. So not only is there bye implications here, yeah. but there's home field implications. Right, right. So if the Saints manage to win this game, they triple their chance of getting a bye yep. and their chance of home field throughout, meaning if they had to play the Cowboys yep. again, they would play it at home. Now, for the Cowboys, there's a little bit less because they – 
don't have their quarterback injured, right? So for them, it doubles or get, you know gets cut in half if they lose, basically. But this is a massive game. And you know who I want to take in a massive game like this? Sean Payton. Yeah, well, and, and we talked about this on the video yesterday with, with Bruce and, and Steve. That's the, that's the importance. The, the wins above replacement for certain backup quarterbacks are different than others. Yes. The two wins that maybe, you know, like let's say you put in a replacement player instead of Bridgewater. Let's say Bridgewater's a win better, right? Mm-hmm. That win, if it's the difference between being the three seed and the two seed in the NFC, is Pretty massive. Big. Because we, as we've talked about numerous times, getting a bye is almost essential to making the Super Bowl now. Whereas for a, a team like the Carolina with Kyle Allen, like his two and his win above replacement isn't that much when you're going from six and 10 to seven and nine. So, and that's really where I think when you lower the variance with Bridgewater, that's why he makes sense as a backup quarterback. As you said, massive, massive game. I'm really excited to watch it. Not a ton. So at two and a half, you are taking who you have to pick this game. I I take the points. Okay. So would I, um, I want to, I don't want to get away from this game before I profess my undying love for Alvin Kamara. I love that guy. He's good. And people give us a lot of crap because we say that, look, the running game isn't that important and running backs don't really matter that much. This guy's amazing. Yeah, he's great. And his elusiveness is really second to none. He has the most broken tackles after the catch. He averages eight yards per pass target. Both of those are first. Last week, he was the offense. He broke 12 tackles. It's tied for the most we've seen since 2015. Gained 118 yards after contact, and that's with the team knowing that Teddy Bridgewater isn't doing anything. So they were trying to stop him. I mean, this guy, he seems, you know, I, I don't know a ton about him, but he seems like a super cool dude. He has some sweet workout videos. You should check him out. I just think Alvin Kamara is one of the players, like Deshaun Watson, we need more of in this league. And it allows us to get away from talking about whether this fast of the game matters or this fast of the game matters more and yeah. just appreciate awesome football play yeah, and he's because great. he is a awesome football player yep so that that's how that's how i'll end that game speaking of awesome maybe an, a players. lack of awesome football players <laughs> to finish off let's go to pittsburgh for monday no. night game do we the, have to the bengals who i believe opened four four and a half point underdogs are now three and a half point underdogs yeah. a move that we agree with yes do i still like it total on the game 44 i mean this is just a this is a take a nap on Monday night instead of watch the game. Well, I can't because um, Sunday night Booger wakes me back up. Oh, that, uh, he gets me going. How how good that some of the best tweets are when Josh tweets out that Josh Hermsmeyer. Wait, tweets At out Frisco because you know San Francisco. Josh he tweets out like the quotes that that yeah. Booger says in that picture of him just smirking. Many people do gifts and pictures wrong on Twitter. That one is that an perfect. example of yeah. it doing it right. I love it. I I just Monday night is a it's kind of a breath for both of us. Yeah. And so I generally just like to let it all hang out, yeah. tweet whatever's on my mind. But this game, three and a half, obviously three is enticing. Andy Dalton is the better quarterback and he's getting points. Um, so if I have to pick one side, the Bengals are the right side. You're not getting a lot of value here, which stinks and what gives me pause is that we saw mason rudolph look bad in san francisco but what he needs is a clean pocket and in pittsburgh that offensive line i think takes a huge jump up and so that was that is what would worry me about this game but there's no way two teams that both stink i'm going to take the points with a guy that's played like 25 snaps yeah the mike munchak loss in the offseason yeah was something that i think we might need to incorporate 
um, because sure. their offensive line has not been great. But at the same time, like I think that well, they faced the vaunted 49ers. That's true. That's true. Who, by the way, you notice the schedule. You know, it's not the greatest slate. The reason there's no Niners game this well, week. Well, I mean, on the fourth day, God rested in this, this case. Is... So, um, yeah, I I like I like the Bengals here. This is one. This is you know two bad teams. In this case, take the t- bad team that's getting points. Um, the under here is also maybe something maybe that's possibly take your other out to dinner. Possibly so. playable. Yeah, and and just you know maybe do something else on that night. All right, we got to pick one. Um, I I think we can sort of narrow it down to three. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. All right. So the the games that are up here for debate: the Browns getting seven, the Chiefs and the Lions scoring more than fifty five points, or your Miami Dolphins. Now, uh, now, now it's 15 and a half getting 15 and a half points at home. If you had to go with one of these, where are you going? Um, this one is tough for me. No, I, I, I felt great. It's last one that week. I, it's one that I, I honestly really, I, so for me, it's Cleveland <sighs> and it's Cleveland be, because of all of the, it's the betting, the number not the team. Oh, this is. So hard. Same thing as same thing as week two. Same thing. Okay, here's the one I don't want to do. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going with the Dolphins. No. Well, that number's already moved away from us. Already so, moved away towards from us. us but I know, want to make value. a pitch for the Chiefs and Lions over. And he and the reason I would say that is in the Cleveland game, we are hoping and praying that the worst coach like climbs his way out of it against a guy that has you know done a good job at sort of smacking people in the face. Whereas in the Chiefs-Lions game, we are rooting for greatness to continue being great, which is the Chiefs offense. Yeah. And then a defense that isn't very good, like letting a Lions team on, yeah. the, on the road come back. Um, so I... I, I know tough. what you're saying. I, and I know what you're saying. My pushback is if these numbers were... 16 and 54 again the fact that they've moved in our direction we've lost a point a point and a half a point uh in value um i to me cleveland you're talking about you have the you're you're yeah. you have the key number of seven you just you, don't like going with an over right well because it's like you could be dead in the water but you, the chiefs i know i believe me i like all three of these plays um but are I I just I think for for and and also truthfully I just like modeling sides better than I like modeling totals. Yeah, me too. Me too. I know it's going to kill you to be on the side of Freddie Kitchens, but it will also show growth, and oh. not in the same way, not in that kind of growth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because frankly, I'm skipping lunch today just because of this pick. Yeah, Browns. Browns, let's go. Lock let's it do up. it. All right, Browns plus seven. Uh, hopefully they win and we can keep uh, screwing up the uh, success of bad things. Join us. Hop on board. Um, we will be back, of course, Sunday, uh, early Monday. That pod is going to get up super early because Tyler and Mike Quinn are absolute rock stars, and they are going to make sure it's up as soon as we are done. So about 4 a.m., so no matter how early you're rolling to work, we'll be there with you to talk about the next week. Um, do you have a story from the, the Cincy Y? Well, other than you, just you know, I I got. The I don't want to talk about. I got it. the best of you last week. You killed me the first two days this week in yeah, basketball on the so, court. On the court, I I had um I had another situation in the gym where someone was on the phone, 
and you wanted to kill them. I mean, what are you? Dude, the, the, the guy was in there for 20 minutes. Like, and I want to know who's on the other side of this phone conversation. What are you doing with your life? Are you in the gym too? Are they both in the gym talking to each other? And the, the conversations are never, you know, exciting, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, well, I'm in the, the middle of doing... The only gym conversation you can have on the phone is from the big short. Where, yes. where, where you're doing those, like, knee-ups. That's a great... And your assistant comes in. That is... Yes! He's actually doing an exercise. Yeah, yeah. These people are not doing exercises. I need to know who's on the other side of this phone call. What are you doing, man? Anyways, that's our show. Um, head to PFF.com for all the good content. We'll see you guys. Thanks for listening.